Well, good evening. We can turn back to Proverbs chapter 3 is what we'll be, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, looking at again tonight and, and possibly finishing up the chapter, but um, we covered like six verses this morning, so we got a long ways to go if we're going to uh, finish it up. But um, I, I hope as we read through it, and I talked to a few people afterwards, that uh, uh as they read ahead and they looked at the verses, their mind began to wander off in their own deep thoughts. And that's the whole point of the scriptures. And even this is, you don't have to tune into what I say, but tune into what the Spirit of God says. And, um, and if he takes you off on a rabbit trail somewhere else, that's good, because these are all great gems. And, uh, you know, my, my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle are real into, into metal detecting and going out. And they'll go to the beach and, and take the, they're, they're the annoying people that as you're laying on the beach, they're walking around you, deet, deet, looking for the, the gems. But my uncle actually found a ring these past couple, two rings, I think the past couple weeks down there. One was a small diamond gold ring, but um, that's a gem. He found it in the sand. Somebody lost it. But to think of Proverbs like this, and as we look through to find these gems that can be pulled out. And almost you can say as Solomon lived his life and he got all this wisdom from God and he recorded it down, um, it's tremendous. He really wrote over his head. He really wrote deeper than I didn't, maybe perhaps he understood or not, I don't know because it's through the Spirit of God. But uh, there's tremendous truths here that we can glean from and, and hopefully you enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed it. We'll begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 3, and uh, we'll catch us up to verse 6, and we'll pick up in verse 7. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. One of the things we looked at this morning is the key to the Christian life is to have the word of God constantly before you. Constantly before your eyes to meditate on it, to bring it in. To the point of where he's given us the illustration of like if your heart was a tablet, to write the word of God on your heart. Because your heart is where your will is. When you make a decision from the heart, you do it. And the outflow of what your actions are come from the heart. So the word of God should be on our heart. And we are to trust wholeheartedly in the Lord. And not to lean on our own understanding. Not to say, do I understand what God is doing in my life? Do I understand why he's doing this? But to trust him. To fully trust and cast yourself upon him that he knows what's best. And to go through whatever he might have for us. And whatever you're going through, he will make your path straight. You know, we have a wide variety of people here from uh, all different ages. Um, from, obviously, my son, Logan, who his main concern is going to school and um, getting grades and having fun. You know, it's a pretty good life at that age. And, I wish I could go back to it, but 
um, versus others that are having to provide for a family. Some are in the retirement years. Some are, you have Ricky here, or others that are looking for what occupation you're going to do and what you're going to do. He's going through school. Um, where's my significant other, you know? Do you truly trust the Lord? Are you trusting the Lord, Ricky, to bring along the right woman? I don't mean to point you out, but... Uh, yeah. But you know, um, that's, that's if you, we'll use Ricky as an example. Um, I, I like his... Uh, a lot of young people make the mistake of jumping into a marriage. I just want someone. My, my father time's ticking away, you know? I'm getting older. I mean, Ricky's not going to be in his prime. He's not going to be chiseled the rest of his life. <laughs> but are we, is he truly, and are we, and I'm just using him as an example, because each one of us has something in our own life, whether it's raising kids or children and, and our jobs or whatever it might be. Are we truly acknowledging the Lord, taking these requests to him, laying them at his feet, and stop worrying? Do we truly stop worrying? Do we really believe that, it, 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 and really the trust is to lay it to him and hand it over to him, and knowing that he's in absolute, complete control over it? And you have peace. And the peace that if you look over... I think this is a tremendous uh, verse. Verse 24 says, And when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. See, a lot of times with our anxiety and our uh, being anxious and worrying and everything else, what we end up doing is you can't sleep. You toss and turn. Things are on your mind. But when you truly give it over to the Lord and let Him be in absolute, complete control over it, you can sleep. And it's not just a sleep, it's a deep sleep. It's a deep rest. It's a deep confidence and peace that you have in God that it, He is in absolute, complete control and that He knows what's best. We mentioned five things that you might be going through in your life in different circumstances. And one of them I, I call Nature's Way, which is just, and I got that from the crocodile hunter. He would, as uh, an animal would do something, he said, Nature's Way. But it's the laws and effects of the laws. Uh, as you throw a ball up, gravity brings it back down. And there's certain things that we just deal with in life that, that come our way. And there's poor decisions that we make. And we suffer the consequences for those. And thirdly, there's Satan seeking to destroy us. He, he's after us. He's coming after us. The persecution that comes forth at the church. Then there's the chastening, which we're going to look at a little more tonight as he uh, talks about it here. And then there's the testing that we go through for God's glory, as we mentioned in Job. But any one of these situations you're going through, it's real to you. And any one of these that you're dealing with, and my situation is different than your situation, my phase of life is different than yours, do we truly take it and lay it at the feet of the Lord and walk away? Look at uh, Philippians chapter 4. You don't have to, if you, you know the verse I'm going to, uh, if you don't want to turn to it, but it's a tremendous verse. But I, I truly believe, and this is my own uh, self-speaking here, is that we say we trust in the Lord. We say we deliver all things over to him. But we still try to keep our hands upon 
what it is that we're turning over to the Lord. We still think that we're, we have the wisdom and we're able to control what, what the outcome is going to be. But look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. What a tremendous verse. Be anxious for nothing. As much as I can worry about my kids and them going off to school and them doing this, and as much as I want to try to control their life, I can't prevent them from making mistakes. I can't stop them. But I can be there for them. And I can, I, I can help them through it. But the, the ultimate thing is, is I can take them to the Lord and say, Lord, I need help here. And truly let them, let the Lord deal with them in the situation. Doesn't mean that we disinvolve ourselves, but you stop worrying. Be anxious for nothing. I can worry and fret all I want, and it's not going to change the circumstance. But when we truly take something to the Lord and we allow Him to work it out, He's going to work it out. You have peace, and you go on, and you cast it before His feet. And you carry on. I like to know what's going on. I like to know, be in the know, I guess you can say, of what's happening from the very slightest. What are we doing for dinner? And then I can prepare my mind for if I'm going to eat a lot or not. But, um, but a lot of times, as we go through these circumstances of life and whatever the phase might be, you just trust the Lord that you know the end result will be greater than if we never went through it. It's easier said than done. We, we can say it all we want. But when you're in the midst of the storm, when you're in the midst of the hurricane, and you don't see uh, the, the, the blue skies coming behind that hurricane, it's very difficult. And really, the challenge of the Christian faith is when the blessings come and everything's good and golden and, and, and happy, you're having a happy life, it's so great to praise God, isn't it? It's so easy. But when the fire comes, that's when it's hard. That's when at times you, you simply step back and you pray, Lord, just help me. Get me through it. Lord, here it is. I don't know where you're taking this. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know. I don't understand why this took place. But I know you're in absolute control and you are the sovereign God of the universe and your wisdom is beyond all wisdom. Your understanding is beyond anything I could ever begin to understand. And you rest in that. You rest. And you let it lay it at the Lord's feet and let him work. Get your hands out of it. If you're like me, you put your hands back in and then you mess it up. Let the Lord work. He's good at this. He is really, really good at taking bad and turning it back around. He's really good. He's amazing. We, we, we have testimonies all throughout this building, but you can go through church history and follow how the Lord has taken broken lives. He's taken individual lives and changed them. He's the master of it. But it starts right here that we have to acknowledge him in all of our ways. You have to come to him. You have to ask him for help. 
You have to deliver it over to him and let him work. Because the scriptures are very clear that God resists the proud. Those in verse 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Those that are wise in themselves, those that seek after their own knowledge, God resists. Those that don't need God's help, he's not going to help. But God gives grace to the humble. The ones that come to him and say, Lord, I, 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 can't, I can't help what's going on. And you lay it at his feet. And you trust in what he's doing is best. Do not be wise in your own eyes. But fear the Lord and depart from evil. What a tremendous uh, verse that is. Fear the Lord. The beginning from departing from sin and evil is to have a reverential, healthy fear and understanding of who the Lord is. You know, oftentimes, and it's kind of a shame, is, you know, we look through the scriptures and Jesus calls us his friend and we're his brother and, and, and we can cry out to God, Abba, Father, and we have access to the throne of grace. But this does never, this never um, takes away that reverential fear that we're to have for God. We're always to respect God and give him his proper place that is due. That he is the God Almighty. He's the creator of the heaven and the, and the earth. He is the one that sustains all things. He's the one that if he stood in our midst right now, every single one of us would fall on our face and bow before him. The glory that shines out so bright. And oftentimes because God brings us into this circle of trust and, and in this circle of a relationship as children of God, we think that we can all of a sudden turn around and treat him like he's some logo that we're going to put on our shirts. This is the God of the universe. And we need a healthy view of it. And to understand that the, the, the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. To know that, look, as growing up, and I'm sure many of the kids here can, we can tell stories, but one of the things that kept me out of uh, trouble was, and I got enough trouble, and it's probably the same as you, as you knew if you came home and your dad caught you, he would, well, back in this day, they wore belts, you know, so here comes the belt with the meat hooks on it. Robert's laughing. Uh, we, we need to have Robert tell us some stories, you know. Not Bob. But there was a reverential, healthy fear that if I broke one of my, uh, the rules of the house, that I had to face the consequences of my father. On the same token, when I do my chores and I do what's asked of me of my parents, the loving arms of the Father, you sit on his lap. And he takes you in and he embraces you and he comforts you and he teaches you. My father took us fishing, he took us hunting and do all this stuff. But when you rebel against your father, you lose these blessings and he has to now enter into a different role of disciplining. But without that healthy fear, without that, that healthy understanding of this relationship, you lose who God is. And it begins to enter into what we see in the church of a lukewarm state of everybody does what's right in their own eyes. There's no longer absolute truth. There's no longer right and wrong. There's no longer God approves of this or doesn't approve of this. 
the church today has taken this idea of grace and expanded it all about that I can basically go live however I want and it doesn't matter to God. And that, this is simply not the truth of the scriptures. What's true is that I will never cease to be a child of God. I will never cease to be a son of God. I will never cease to have access to my father. That relationship is always going to be there. But the way that he deals with you is going to be based upon the way that you respond to him. And if he has to come by with the corrective hand, it has to be. But without this, heavy, this healthy reverential fear, look at uh, Proverbs 1, 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That healthy fear is the beginning of understanding of who God is. And the minute you depart from this, you've now departed from understanding of who God is. I love that God brings us into this intimate relationship to where he walks with us hand in hand, to where we come to the Lord's Supper. And we sit down with the Savior and we have a feast. His proper title is Lord Jesus. I've heard people use it and talk to him like you would talk to a buddy. Throwing around the name of Jesus. You, you know, that one of the things the Muslims despise about Christianity, and you can debate this however you want, but if you're going to be around them, the way that we use the Lord's name. The way we treat our Bible. Because with them, the, the Quran is holy. And to them, and even when I was, uh, even to the Jewish believers, or not believers, I'm sorry, for the, um, the Jews in, in Judaism, uh, the friend I worked with, they won't even say the name of the Lord unless it's within the context of something of the scriptures or something that's holy. I asked them, I say, hey, how do you pronounce, you know, uh, Jehovah in the Old Testament? Can't say it. It's not enough. You can't just say the word. Um, it's not that we want to enter into that. It's not that we want to go and, and all of a sudden bring back some tradition, but to understand the fear and the reverence we are to have of God. And that this is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And although we, we are given a unique privilege and blessing to where we're going to co-reign with Christ. How much greater does it get than that? Co-reign with Christ. He's going to share his throne with us. He's going to give us a crown with gems in it of rewards of service that we've done for him. The Lord's so good to us. But what we're going to end up doing is taking those off and throwing them back at his feet because we, were, we are nothing without him. But we've got to have a healthy fear of the Lord. And when we look at the Lord, we depart from evil. When you see the Lord, you want nothing to do with sin. You flee from sin. This is what we do. This is how Christians respond to evil. If we had time, there, there's more verses throughout Psalms and Proverbs that we could look at of looking at that when you meditate and you keep your eyes on the Lord and you understand who the Lord is and his holiness and how he hates sin, we flee from it. We want nothing to do with it. 
And he goes on, and look at how this is always, it's interesting. Verse 8, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Literally, it, is, it will be medicine to your, your, your flesh or to your body. And nourishment or, or food or drink to your body. And the word bones there is used of, of marrow, that it's the innermost part of your, your body, of the nutrients that you get. And it's amazing how our day in and day out with God, how it affects your physical well-being. I mentioned this morning, uh, Bill McDonald made a, um, stated in his commentary that you, we can contribute probably 60% of our illnesses come from emotional stress. 60% of our anxiety, of our, our emotions, of our stressing, of our daily dealings with everything that we have to deal with in this this uh, world. But when we trust in the Lord, life gets longer. When we put the word of God in our hearts and in our minds, the length of days, our days are, are lengthened and our, our lives are longer. And it's interesting as you go back and as you get older, and Facebook is a, a great thing if you want to see where everyone's at at this present time. But I look at people that I went to school with, and some of them you look at, and you look at how the world's, they've been involved in the world, and you look at them, and you go, man, those people have aged. Dad just saw a, a, a co-worker that he worked in the police department with the other day at in and out and the first thing I looked at him was, man, that guy's aged. <laughs> but you look at a lot of our elderly here that are at the home, I mean, they look good. They look good. It's the effects of sin and it's the effects of the world that takes their toll on you. And God's trying to preserve us from those effects and keep us healthy. And he wants us to enjoy life. But to understand from an early age to choose to live for the Lord and to put your, his word in your heart is going to keep you from heartache. going to keep you from deterioration of the flesh and of illness. Look at verse 10. Oh, wait, verse 9. Uh, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the fr first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Here he goes into possessions. Possessions. What are we going to do with our possessions? The things that the Lord has given to us. Everything we have, God has given to us. They're all, they all belong to him whether it's from our cars to our houses to our children to whatever we have, they all belong to God. And to understand that, well, look at what it says, not only with your possessions, but and with the first fruits of all your increase. The first fruits is when the first crops come along in the harvest and they go and pick it. And they take those first fruits, the very first ones, and usually those are the most lush, the, 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 the full fruit, and they take it and they give it to the Lord. They give it out. They give the Lord his due first because the Lord is before them first. And when we honor the Lord with our possessions and we use them for his glory, for his honor, and for the furtherance of the gospel, you can't outgive God. See, these are New Testament principles that we see expounded on that Solomon back in this day, 12,000 years ago, is stating what wisdom he had. And in the Old Testament, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. 
The Lord is very open about, you're obedient to the word of God, I'm going to bless you. If you're disobedient to the word of God, you're going to suffer the consequences for it, and I'm going to chasten you. And the Mosaic Covenant's all about this. Obey the law, get blessings. Disobey the law, curses. And when it comes to the New Testament, when it comes to the church age now, it's no longer a physical blessing in the sense, but it's a spiritual blessing. It's spiritual knowledge. It's spiritual understanding of who God is. It's spiritual wisdom. It's spiritual blessings in your children and onward and everything you have. It's no longer, the measurement is no longer by your possessions, but your spiritual walk with the Lord and how he blesses you. In Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about that all the, the, the spiritual blessings for us are there in full in the heavenlies. They're there for our tapping into. They're there. God wants to pour out all spiritual blessings upon us. And he will honor him with what you have. You can't outgive God. He will always outdo you. But the Lord first and he will bless. Verse 11 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Now that's a tough verse. And I know it's repeated in Hebrews chapter 12. It's expounded upon there. And one of the, the ideas of chastening is you, only legitimate sons are chastened. If, you, if there's no chastening by God, then you're not a legitimate son. But legitimate sons are chastened by the father. And like I mentioned earlier, our relationship with God is either he's blessing and he's moving you out in this particular direction, but when you begin to rebel and you go your own way, God has to discipline you. Now, this idea of chastening is not only in the idea that you're rebelling against God. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you're off the track. But it really carries over to it to the idea of correcting Changing an attitude. You know, sometimes uh, your kids are well-behaved and they're doing good. Sometimes they just get that, that, you know, they don't need a swat, you know, necessarily a spanking or or discipline, but they just need a little bit of tweaking. You know, maybe they're leaving their dishes at the table or or leaving their cups out. Maybe maybe their attitude and the way they talk to their mother is a little bit wrong, and you got to tweak that a little bit. You got to put them in their place. But the idea is that God wants to conform you to the image of Christ. And he's going to do whatever he can to change our character and conform us more to the image of his son. And I'll tell you what, how many of us have the compassion that the Lord Jesus Christ has? How many of us show mercy and grace like the Lord Jesus Christ? How many of us walk in righteousness like the the Lord Jesus? How many of us have a, 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 a... all the characteristics and attributes of the Lord Jesus. I mean, do any of us walk perfect? Do any of us look at one another with the same eyes that the Lord Jesus would look at you with and show compassion on your your fellow uh, brethren? The Lord wants us to. And we have to go through the valleys. We have to go through the trials. We have to go through the discipline and the chasing of the Lord to show us, to take that pride that's up here and to bring it down so that he can use us for his glory and honor, so that he can use us to minister to the saints, so that he can change us, 
to the image of his son so that when people see you, he, they see Christ. Flip over real quick to uh, Job chapter 5. This is a, a theme, uh, and we, we believe probably Job was one of the oldest Old Testament books written, but look at way back when, when uh, Job entered into this uh, conversation with his, one of his friends. But verse 17 of cha Job chapter 5 says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Now, I, I don't know what, I've never experienced happiness with being corrected. But um, really, it's, it's a knock on your pride. Correction means that you're wrong. But see, the attitude we should have is when God comes along, is his ways are not our ways, and he knows what's best. But happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. And look at verse 18. Look at how, how the Lord works um, amongst us. For he bruises but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. What a tremendous God that we have, that he'll come along and, and discipline you, and, and you will suffer at times. It, it, it might be painful, but he's the same one that comes with the rod that picks you up and heals you from the bruises. He's the one that when you're wounded, who's going to take your hands and make them whole. Verse 19, he shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. In famine, as you go through the famine of the chasing, he shall redeem you from death. At times, you're at your death's bed. He'll redeem you. In war, from the power of the sword, we know from the Israelites. How many times did God use other nations to come in to teach them a lesson? Over and over and over again, he used these other nations to come in and to teach Israelites to trust in the Lord. But even within that war, God in his sovereignty and his power is able to keep them from the power of the sword. Now we can take this to, to applications beyond measure. That God is in absolute control and that we can trust in him so much that we can be in the midst of fire. In, in the sense of, uh, of gunfire in the Middle East or whatever it might be. And the Lord can preserve you and protect you. That's how in control he is. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you shall not be afraid of the destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine, and you shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth, and you shall have covenant with the stones of the field, and the beast of the field shall be at peace with you. And it goes on and on. The amazement of the, the chasing of the Lord and the things you go through in the circumstances of life that, that God is going to allow you to experience and touch, but yet preserve you. You're going to be wounded, but... He'll heal you. Our God is great, and he's the master of teaching us and, and, and um, passing on his characteristics to us. I can't see the clock. There's a glare, so we'll just keep going until uh, we finish, huh? 13, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire. 
cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. As I outlined uh, the, this particular chapter, we said 1 through 12 is the pathway for gaining wisdom. And what he's given us is the understanding of walking with the Lord, of putting the word of God in our hearts and in our minds, and trusting the Lord and casting everything upon him. And now we're going to look into what comes from a life of spending with the Lord as the Lord imparts to us wisdom. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. The second part that I've outlined the chapter is 13 through 18 is the value of wisdom. And then 19 through 26 is the benefits of wisdom. And then 27 to 35 is the application of wisdom. The value of wisdom. Wisdom is, is tremendous. Um, look over at Proverbs chapter 1. And it's kind of cool how uh, Solomon tells you how great wisdom is <laughs> and what you can do with it. The Proverbs of, of the Sol Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to receive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, and to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their real riddles. Here he goes on to talk about the benefits of wisdom. Many have described wisdom as, as the application of knowledge. And it's amazing how we can go through the scriptures and, and see the different aspects of people's lives and how God has given them wisdom to overcome certain circumstances. But wisdom comes from God. We don't have time. We're running out of time. But you can look uh, in James chapter 3 and James chapter 1 that talk about wisdom that comes from God. And those that ask for wisdom, he will give it to you liberally. You see, Solomon asked for wisdom and God poured it out upon him. But God right now wants to give each and every one of us and fill us to the fullest extent with his wisdom, with his understanding, with his ways. And the man that has wisdom is happy. Look at how much greater wisdom from God. And this is not just wisdom of man's wisdom, but it's God's wisdom imparted to man and passed on to him. For it's better than silver, it's better than gold, it's better than rubies. There's nothing, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. The, 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 the beautiful benefit of wisdom is tremendous, and it goes on and on. And how we benefit. It keeps you out of making bad choices. But most importantly, it helps us understand God's ways and apply it towards our lives so that we can live a life that is pleasing and glorifying to God. Really, the, 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 the ultimate wisdom is the Lord Jesus Christ, as he came down from, this, from the, the heights of heaven and took on flesh and blood. And he's the example of what wisdom is. And you watch him as he goes through his earthly ministry and how he handled every situation. 
Is there ever a situation that he's dealing with the Pharisees or, he, uh, or he's dealing with his disciples or he's dealing with the people? Is there ever a situation that you can say, man, that, that wasn't too wise, uh, Lord Jesus? <laughs> Never. He knows. The Lord knew exactly what man wanted and what man needed and how to gain his heart and how to move his disciples and how to answer the Pharisees to the extent to where the Pharisees were intrigued by him and kept coming back. I, I mean, Nicodemus coming to him at night, it, it, it's, it's, this is not a happen chance. The Lord at some point intrigued him to the point to where he came around and the way the Lord dealt with him in wisdom, he came back and he wanted to know more. The wisdom of God is tremendous. And the value of it is greater than any commodity that we can place on this earth. I've often said I don't care if my kids work as doctors or as garbage men. As long as they know the Lord. As long as they seek after his ways. As long as they're wise in God and in Christ. And they love him and they follow after, after the Lord. That's what's important here. And you can see from scripture that life is way more valuable than all the money you could make and go out in the world and all the profits of gold and silver. It's to know the Lord. The value of wisdom and the benefits of wisdom. Look at verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up and the clouds dropped dew down the dew. Just look at creation and the benefits we have of creation through the wisdom of God and how everything works together, it's tremendous. His design is perfect. My son, verse 21, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. And we talked about earlier, last this morning was the Olympian and how they placed the gold medal around the the neck of the individual to show forth the, the medal that he won, that everyone can see. And see, this is the same thing of the wisdom of God and that grace that it's showing forth to all mankind the life that is abounding out of you because of the wisdom of God. People look at you and go, you're different. The disciples in Acts, they, they, as they, they questioned, uh, questioned them, they said, these men have been with Jesus. Listen to the way they talk. These are uneducated men. But the wisdom of God pouring out upon him and Paul talking to different people as he, as he goes along. And the wisdom is so hard to, to turn away from because it's wisdom of God. It's not the wisdom of men. Look at verse 23. The wisdom of God keeps you walking safely. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble when the wicked, when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Think of the snare of the devil, how he wants to catch you, and wisdom's going to keep you out of that. He's going to, the wisdom of God is going to keep you from stumbling. The benefits are so great. that it helps you, not, in your, not only in your physical well-being, so that you sleep at night, but it's going to keep you from stumbling and from falling. The benefits of wisdom. And verses 27 through 35 is the application of wisdom. 
Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it. Look at the, in verse 28 here, it's tremendous on how um, love your neighbor as yourself. It's already being applied back in this day and time. But do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by, your, by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause, if he has done you no harm. Do not envy the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is, the, is an abomination to the Lord. But his secret counsel is with the upright. God doesn't like when people change his word. God does not like when people take right and tweak it to what they believe is, is right. Right is right, and God believes it's an abomination to pervert anything in which he's made man, in which he's designed man, to use it other than what he, the way in which he's designed it. Anything outside of what God's word says, and when people tweak it, it's an abomination to the Lord. But look who he, 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 he calls into secret counsel is the upright. The righteous, the ones that walk after the word of God, he's going to counsel with them. Verse 33, the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 35, the wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Let us not be the fools let us be the wise and walk in the wisdom of God that comes from God and whom he gives it out liberally to us and which God wants the best for us. He wants the absolute best for us. He wants to preserve us. He wants to keep us from harm. He wants us to live a life to his glory, to his honor, and for the purpose in which he's designed us and created us. Let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for these gems that are in the scriptures and father really if, if we didn't have the spirit of god we would read these scriptures and we wouldn't understand them we wouldn't comprehend them but through your spirit he gives us wisdom he gives us understanding and we thank you for that father may we not just be people that are hearers of the word but may we be people that are doers of the word and apply this, these simple instructions to trust and to obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus as the hymn goes. To truly be satisfied in you. To look at your word. To look at you, Lord, and walk hand in hand with you. And to take all of our cares and all of our concerns and all of our things and lay them before your feet and acknowledge you in everything we do. For you are, you are our great God and our Savior. And we look to you for, this, uh, for all things of life to lead us and guide us. Just bless each one of the saints here and those that can't be here. We just pray for your blessings upon all of us. In the name of Lord Jesus we pray. Amen.